This is Tales from the Pros, where business leaders and influencers share their stories of inspiration, struggles, and successes. And I'm your host, Michael Giorgio. Hey, everyone. Good afternoon. Welcome to Tales from the Pros. And this is Michael Giorgio, your host and co-founder of Imagine Ovation here in Raleigh, North Carolina. I have an awesome guest with me here today, and her name is Monica Wood. Monica is an entrepreneur, mother of three children, and the co-founder and CEO of Mix. Mix is an innovative recipe solution on the market which helps solve what's for dinner tonight, quote unquote, (laughs) by connecting digital, dynamic, personalized recipes to consumers, retailers, and brands such as some of, I'm sure you've heard of, Tyson, Kraft, Uncle Ben's, and McCormick. Monica, thank you so much for being with me here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I know, I know we've been trying to do this for a while, but we're, we're all so busy, right? <laughs> Who isn't busy? Busy moms are, you know, busy people, busy working schedules, and I'm glad that we could finally connect. <laughs> no, absolutely. Th- thanks again. I really appreciate it. And, and you know, just Monica, to kind of kick things off, I, I saw some videos, um, you know, that you guys have done. And, um, you know, I know you've spoken to some conferences and I really love your story and um, as to why you started Mix. And I, you know, from what I saw, you said that you lost 100 pounds, which is amazing. Um, you started eating healthier and cooking at home and I know that was one of the reasons or the main purpose behind Mix. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Absolutely. And it's funny how everything in life you know, works out and that you find Absolutely. purpose in every journey that you've ever had, right? And I feel very lucky that my journey from career and personal life is combined with Mix. Um, so let me give you a little bit of background. My background, I never thought, if you asked me 15 years ago, would I... <laughs> Uh, CEO of a recipe startup, I would laugh, or a marketing startup, maybe. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I started off as a, a data scientist, or as we used to be called, statisticians, and I did targeting algorithms for uh, marketing campaigns for ad tech startups. Oh, wow. Really interesting work. Um, and I, at that same time, I ended up falling in love with automation and how. Um, those processes, those statistical methods could be automated or uh, very easily taken over by account managers or different people in an organization through technology and user interfaces. And that was really great. And that was a wonderful career that I had. And I ended up, um, it was a career here in, in Raleigh, and I ended up getting recruited away to a company in Washington, D.C. And I traveled three days a week, three or four days a week to that location in Washington, D.C. for my job there, which was a great job. But what I realized was that it was really hard on my home life. Like you mentioned, I have three kids, one of the kids that I have. Um, And I would call home during my travel and I would say, hey guys, what'd you have for dinner? And they would say, pizza, burgers. It's awesome, mom. And it was like a dagger went through my heart. Oh no. Yeah. Doesn't work for me. And like you said, that's because of my history. My history is something that I never really talked about before, but I did lose 100 pounds. And I did that through learning how to cook and eating recipes, not eating out so much. And I didn't realize that this would ever happen to me. But having my kids never face that problem was something that was core to my beliefs. Like, I'm a bad mom. (laughs) In instances of my life, I like to say I have bad mom moments all the time. Like, 
oh no, I just said my ch- my daughter expired mayonnaise and I looked at the date, it's expired nine months. And she's like, my tummy hurts. And I think, oh gosh, oh no. Throwing <laughs> um, away. Um, and, you know, we all make little sacrifices when we work and we're busy, but yeah. their health and their wellness was super important to me. And um, that's when I started to do different things and see what else was out there. I looked, I tried meal kits and um, I got this really fancy meal kit company to send a box to me and I was really excited to give it to my kids and the nanny while I was gone and so the next week I came home and I was thinking like this is going to be such the the fix for my life that there's going to be a box and be delivered and everybody's going to eat healthy and truth of the matter was I called when I was out uh, at work again and called home and I was like hey guys what'd you have for dinner and they're like pizza it was awesome what happened? (laughs) Why didn't you eat the meal? And my nanny got on the phone and she said, well, that took me an hour and a half. So thank you for that. It's already busy enough with kids around. And two, they were looking at it and asking, what are soba noodles and Chinese broccoli? And that just doesn't look like something I want to eat. So we ordered pizza. And she said, oh, the meal was delicious. I ate it, but the kids ate pizza. So I still had to go to the grocery store. The kids didn't eat anything healthy and it took our nanny a long time. So to me, it was not a win. It wasn't what we were looking for, but it was an idea of, okay, convenience is needed. So that's kind of the the precipice of mix. So I started talking to my friends, asking if it was just me and my crazy work schedule that was driving this need for more automation and um, ability to order my groceries and cook meals in a faster, better way. And it turns out, my co-founder, she was facing the same issues with being a, a single mom too. And so we both kind of came together and came up with the idea for Mix. And that is really, why can't you just take the recipes you like or recipes from across the web and easily connect all the ingredients that you need to make them happen to the actual products inside the grocery store? So with just a few clicks, you can actually create meals and grocery shop with your local grocery store with the brands you love and the meals you like. That's amazing. So you basically saw, I mean, through some things that you went through, some struggles, you basically saw a need. There was a need in the market for something like this. And that's really how you came up with the idea, right? I did. Yes. And you know, it was really based upon that consumer need too. It hadn't even thought about, I'm sure we'll get into the data science and the automation and the opportunity in this space as well. But this idea really came from was my personal need as a busy mom of kids with the idea that I want them to live a better life and to never face that obesity issue that I faced myself. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah, I love it. I mean, and and, you know, you always hear this, you always hear a lot of these successful, uh, you know, startups um, and just companies in general that they owe a lot of them, they make it because they solve the problem. And it seems like you are doing that. Um, you, I mean, you have this awesome, you know, integrated solution connecting brands and retailers and customers and you're getting that data and you're probably, I'm sure down the road, you're going to be able to sell that data, right? I'm assuming, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> that is actually a good Thing that I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, data is a hot topic today, right? And what are we collecting and who are we having giving access to that? And how does that impact my life? Like with all of the things that have happened in the media recently, people should be asking themselves, who should I trust? And we really want to be a source that people understand that your data with us is trusted. 
How we utilize that data is really more to give you a better personalized experience within the platform of about what uh, recipes to see or what products to see or how you can perhaps save money at the store. It won't be to go sell that data about you as a person and an individual out to a third party company. Um, but instead, what we do do is we aggregate uh, these insights that we get at a level that's actionable for brands and retailers to help raise the, the level of acceptance, I guess, across the board about what's good for you, what's healthy, and how to make the best experience for consumers while still benefiting brands and retailers at the same time. Right, right. So like, I mean, and to add on to that, like, I love how you guys built, like I said, you, you built this omni marketing platform connecting brands, retailers, consumers, uh, pretty much by using consumer recipes and that data, as you, you just mentioned. So how are you guys really able to solidify the idea as a proof of concept? Because you know when you're, and I know you guys got some funding, right? But before you get funding, you have to, I mean, they're not just the investors, but for you guys to pursue this startup and actually, you know, try to deliver and execute it, you have to see if there's a need, right, from your target audience. So what, how did you guys, how did that process work with you? I think we were really lucky. Um, we're not first time business leaders, essentially. We all had worked at startups in the past, and we all had worked together in the past, and we all had yeah. different roles from different areas in the organization to build a really well-rounded team. So that's really what we looked for. I was a product manager with a background in data science, so the analytics, the thought process of how the solutions could come together really fell on me. Uh, my co-founder, Dee Dee Houston, is an amazing marketer, but also really great with operations. And um, we, we also provided a lot of technical expertise throughout our, uh, our network as well. So we brought together all sides of the equation. And really, honestly, how it started, the idea was first, okay, we always know we want to work together. But once I yeah. identified this need and, and realized that I was really facing a problem that I wanted solved, we started meeting once a week um, and and brainstorming together. We had a glass of wine and brainstorm. What would we do? What If this solution could be built for us, what would we do? And that's how we started. And we put together a prototype. We put together a pitch deck. We talked to investors and actually, I talked to several investors before I ended up speaking to the, the ones that invested. Um, I know that you were wanting to, to talk a little bit about that as well. So yeah, 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 yeah. we, we uh, one of the investor pitches that we came to that really was a pivotal moment and a, a changed the course of Mix was when we came and talked to David Gardner and Tim McLaughlin at Co-Founders Capital and gave them the pitch. And I didn't get into slide three before they said to me, this is a great idea. I really like what you're doing. But what you really need is you really need a grocery store executive to say, hey, I think this is a good idea. Um, that's pivotal, right? So before that, we were thinking all about the consumers and all about how this need could happen. And of course, that it's going to benefit retailers. And we hadn't really thought about how brands were going to get integrated just yet um, into the mix. <laughs> but that... Yeah conversation with the investor was super important with us. And what we ended up doing was most people would think, oh my goodness, that's a big feat to go get a, a grocery store executive to think this is a good idea. 
Um, I think part of being a good entrepreneur is to not see that the mountain is quite so high as it may be to other people. So to me, I just thought, okay, I will go get a grocery executive to say this is a good idea and come back in a couple of weeks. So that's what I did. I cold called Harris Teeter every day for two weeks. I made um, friends with the uh, executive assistant of one of the executives there. And every day I just called and checked status. First, I described the idea. Then I said, I have PowerPoint. You, can we walk through it together? Then I asked uh, her to pass along the information and she did everything. It was amazing. It was wonderful. And I would get updates. Oh, he's read it, the email, or it's printed on his desk, or now he has sent it off to this team. And then all of a sudden, okay, we got you a meeting. And I got to come back to David Gardner and, and Tim and, and tell them, hey, I, I got a meeting. And they were blown away, which I didn't think they would be. I thought this is just what they do, right? They give the great advice and everybody goes and follows it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So the rest is history. We, we, we started working on this together at that point. So that was, that was really the proof of concept, right? They wanted you to actually go and outreach um, these retailers. So they, not retailers, just brands. Right? I'm sorry, uh, uh, not brands, just retailers, right? He just asked you to contact Harris Teeter, for example? Right. At first, it was just, hey, like you should have the grocery store buy into this, right? And so, yes, that's the proof of concept. Let's go talk to them. Let's make sure it's a good idea. And then let's create that proof of concept together. And what about the prototype? So I'm sure a lot of people are going to want to hear this. You know, um, you always hear, I mean, for me, we built so many products, my company's built so many prototypes and apps and things like that. But it's always people have this misconception of what a prototype actually is. Like, what did you guys build an MVP, a minimum viable product? Or was it actual just a prototype? Like, a, for example, a, just designs that you that you sent to David and... Yeah, my goodness. Of course, the first things that we did were wireframes. Then we did... Yep. Um, the the overlays to those and the visual treatments and then we took those and put them in an envision app right and tested the flows and and decided whether or not we thought that this was a good flow or this aspect was good and we sent it off to people for advice and every person i saw i would show them my envision app so that's how it started and then beta etc yeah cool yeah so you know that's great so it's it's not like you actually have to have a a, a full product bill in order for you to receive funding N no, absolutely not. What you should do is prove the business case for it first, right? Is this something that a customer, whether it be the retailer or brand or consumer or publisher or whomever you're working with, would think is a good idea um, and that they are willing to invest in this further with you versus going and just building something because technical uh, man hours are expensive and it takes a lot of work. And if you don't flush out the bugs as best you can before you actually build it, you're going to spend a lot of time trying to perfect something that people may not even want. And technology is so easy these days for you to be able to go and do an Envision app. It, it looks very, very much like what a, what a real app could end up looking like. You can test and learn so much with just the basic tools that are out there today. Yeah, I know. I, I completely agree because, you know, like I said, we, we built some, you know, apps and for start fund for startups and funded startups and larger companies. And, and what happens is I've noticed that some of these startups, they're, they're trying to receive funding. So they're saying like, Hey, listen, this is our budget. You know, we, we want to um, give you guys this project to, to work, you know, to, to finish for us as MVP. But what ends up happening is we'll, you know, we'll do a great job on this app, but they won't get any funding for it because they they thought, hey, listen, you know, I'm since I'm, I'm going to get a, a a completed app, most likely the investors are going to go crazy, and that's not true. Uh, what happens is they're relying too much on the product development side of it. They're not looking at the business side of it, and you need 
you know, you need business people to grow a business, right? So you need to think about the, like you said, the business case, the overall flow of the project, how the, how your, how the brands, the retailers are going to use this app, how your customers are you are going to use it, how you're going to monetize it, right? So I'm sure you guys thought about all that stuff. Absolutely, and to be honest with you, we were wrong in a lot of cases. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, we've you try to flush all of that information out ahead of time before you just go and build. And you always want to build to that minimum because if you build something to perfection before you release it or show it to people or sell it, you may miss the window of opportunity that comes and goes as it turns out for technology and solutions. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. I I agree with that. Um, So, when you guys got into Harris Teeter, I, I, I know um, you guys are working with them. How difficult was it to really pitch and sell to large brands like Kraft and, and retailers? You know, for example, like I don't know if you guys are working with Lowe's Foods now. I know I know Harris Teeter, but you're working with what are some of the, the bigger retailers you guys have? So, an interesting thing about Mix and how we've ended up uh, evolving over the the course of uh, our brief stint in startup so far is that we started out uh, going out to retailers like much like we have with Harris Teeter and offering them a recipe solution. Um, retailers have a lot on their plate and they don't make big margins, right? It's not a big margin business. And while online shopping for retailers is growing, it's still a significantly a small portion of their business. So really, basically, it's insignificant to the main business is the the grocery store sales online, but they know that they need to innovate and remain uh, competitive with new solutions like Amazon coming into the the space. So um, what we have found is that it's actually harder for us to get, not harder, but it takes a longer time for us to get retailer partnerships just because they have a long sales cycle. What we have found is that with brands, they are able to innovate and test and learn much faster. And we had a really great background in that the ad tech startup that we worked with in the past really worked with CPG brands and doing store sales lift analysis for different kinds of ad campaigns already. So we knew and we had a network in the CPG space and we knew the uh, language, we knew what they were looking for, what metrics they were looking for, and where the gaps were in the process of ad tech. And we were able to fill those gaps with mix. And so we have had some amazing brands sign on with us, some of those that you've mentioned, but others as well, that we're really excited about their ability to see the future and want to test and learn in this rapidly changing space. So was it hard? I mean, I, so it seems like you guys had a, a kind of, I mean, you, I'm sure you had some contacts, you, you know, you guys are, are well networked in that area, in that space. I know you mentioned ad tech. Uh, did you actually have to cold call these, some of these brands to get in? Like, how did you actually outreach to them? Because they're these are big companies, right? Like, like Kraft, huge, I mean, billion dollar corporations. How did you actually get in the door with them? That's what you always, you always wonder, how do people actually get in the door with some of these really large companies? Or did they come to you after you did some promotion, maybe? So what we did is we cold called. I mean, there's nothing um, – I don't discount a good cold call. That's what I have to say. Or email. So, but do yeah. it in a way that's meaningful. Don't just blast out emails to people and think, okay, someone's going to come back to me. 
You need yeah. to do your research and um, use things like Boardroom Insiders or uh, Zoom Info or different research that's available out in, in the space and on the web today to be able to find out about executives and identify the right level that you should speak with. Find out some things about them and reach out to them. Interact with them on social media. Interact with them on like LinkedIn, Twitter. Follow them. Engage with them in conversations. Find out what is pressing to them and does your business answer those questions that are being answered right now? Um, I mean, being asked right now by the, by brands, by partners, by people yeah. in the space, by reporters. How relevant are you and how can you stay engaged in that conversation and be provide value in those emails that you reach out to people. Don't just try to sell. Try to showcase that you're an expert in this area and that you're really your goal is to help them and to help their business and to help them and their career move forward. It's, it really is about, and I agree, it really is about authentic outreach. Because you always hear all these things, that you you know, these sales tactics, right? Oh, it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. I mean, yes, it technically is a numbers game. If you can, if you can send, a, 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 you know, 500 personalized emails a day. But, I mean, who, who in their right mind has the time to do that? I mean, you have a business to run, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to kind of outreach to, to the, uh, so many people. So what ends up happening, I love what you did because I, I feel like I've done that as well in the past is, outreaching, um, you know, finding the right, you know, at, at least do, do the research in regards to who you think is the right point of contact um, and wh- how you can provide value to them via what, whether it's a phone call or an email or uh, maybe going and seeing them, setting up an appointment. They want to feel that authenticity. Um, and it seems like that's what you guys have done. That's, and that's amazing. I think I like that you just said that because being authentic is really core to who we are. We are at the bottom of all of this. We are moms wanting to make lives easier for other moms and families, right? We really want the future to be better because of our solution. And that's our core. And when it comes down to it, we're going to choose to do the right thing and to be honest and upfront and sincere about every relationship we enter. Yeah, that, that's amazing. Yeah, that's, I love it. I mean, you, you kind of think think just like me. And I like going back and, and when you talked about uh, you and your other uh, business partner and how you guys started this, it was really cool that you were kind of like the tech, you were, you know, data-driven and technical. And that's kind of how my business partner is as well. He's very data-driven and technical. And I'm kind of like the creative marketing. I, I use one side of the brain. <laughs> thing, but you remind me a lot of a lot of us, but that's awesome. It's good, it's good to hear that. Um, so, kind of going back, touching again on data, Monica. I, I know you guys. I mean, it seems you've essentially filled in a gap for me, at least. You fill in a gap or gray area for brands to measure whether their marketing activities actually brought people to buy their products in grocery stores. So now, with all that data metrics you guys are collecting, I mean, are, are you thinking about like AI technology incorporating that in your product as well? Absolutely. Um, I think you might have got a taste of, of my background of being in, you know, ad tech, but also automation and product management is about how can we make our lives easier through the use of technology, not only easier, but better, right? Yeah. So you shouldn't have to have a button to reorder things inside of your pantry. We should know that and we should figure that out. And we do. We actually will track based upon your purchases. What is it that you need? Not only is it what is it that you need, but what is it that you want? So what do you have um, in your recipe that's already in your pantry? What do you need to reorder? How often should you reorder it? But not only that, like how can we incrementally 
help you eat better? How can we provide to you incentives for you to change your behavior in a way that's meaningful to you? And maybe not so much like you have to go straight vegan today, right? Or you need to only eat low carb today, but it's more about the smaller changes in, in lifestyle. I think that that's the, the future vision of Mix about, about being able to help change those habits to be better so that everybody can, can understand what it is that they're eating and how it is that that's impacting their health. Really that food as medicine and us really attacking this obesity epidemic from a source of food and nutrition and the fuel that you put into your body. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy with all the different, I mean, and, and this is the thing you think about, and I love how you guys are solving this problem because you buy all these different foods and you don't really know. I mean, you, you see what's on the back of it, but you don't really know truly what's like the ingredients, right? You don't know what you're really putting in your body. So it seems like the platform you guys are building is, is it's almost like you're, you're providing this, it's like a, this motive to connect customers with brands and to improve the way, um, I'm sure the way they're, um, you know, the way they're producing their, their, their food and their products. Right. Because the thing is, is that right now being healthy is the new thing. We all want to be healthy. No, you know, we want to live a long, healthy life. So with that being said, these brands are going to want to you know, pr- produce better quality food and use organic, you know, uh, ingredients and so on and so forth, because they know that's what the market, that's what the market wants. Absolutely. And I am really excited about the brands that we've partnered with to date and the people and the contacts that we have at these brands are so forward looking, not only in technology, but like you said, what's our future going to be Um, Mm -hmm. and providing transparency for consumers and what they're eating and being able to provide great options. They spend millions of dollars on how to make great recipes for your family to sit around the table and really just eat together, which amazingly enough has provided a lot of research and data to say, hey, just eat dinner together at your table, at home, cook your meals and have conversation. And you can expect a, you know, your kids to uh, have uh, a better performance in schools, have a better outlook on life, to not have obesity issues, and also to uh, reduce the risk of uh, risky behaviors, really. So there's a lot of studies out there that prove bringing mealtime together and data to support that is actually going to help uh, support a the better future of our society. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. You're good. Uh, I mean, with, kind of with all that being said, where do you feel, Monica, that the food industry is going in technology? I mean, do you think that retailers and brands – do you, you think some of them are scared of where, where it's going or where the market is headed? Or what, what do you kind of feel about that? That's really interesting. There's a lot of talk about um, innovation and Amazon and how technology is going to disrupt and change this space and how retailers should be scared. I agree with some of those sentiments, but what I really agree with is that, and I'd like to change the conversation just a little bit and reframing it, like you learn to do as a startup um, (laughs) co-founder, I'd like to reframe it in that there's so much opportunity. When you're able to embrace technology and find great tech partners and be open to 
creating things together, what you're able to do is open yourself to a whole new realm of opportunity to elevate the space in ways that were not possible before. So where I think the industry is going is absolutely more tech-based, more AI, machine learning. We'll play a big role in that. But what I also believe is that it's transparency and consumer first, which I really think that retailers and brands have been about in the past. And it's just about bringing it all together. So you'll see a much more cohesive end-to-end path to purchase for uh, consumers, for brands, and for retailers, and perhaps even bringing publishers and other content producers into this this, uh, ecosystem as well in a much more integrated way that will feel natural to consumers and provide a lot of value for the entire chain. Yeah, and and I love how you touched on Amazon because you know how I mean, there's all these rumors. I mean, we don't really know for sure, but there's all these rumors that because Amazon, Toys R Us went out of business, you know, the whole, the whole Toys R Us story, they, they didn't really innovate. They were very traditional in their marketing. They, they weren't too much about being online and Amazon's just taking over. But I think Amazon also is setting the bar. And I think it's a good thing because everyone's following it and saying, you know what, Amazon, I mean, we have to innovate as well. We have to. That's where the market is headed. And, and we need to use technology for the, the, the right ways and the right reasons. It's how you use it and how you build it. Um, I think that's what it comes down to is the, is the people behind the technology and the reasons why you're building it to impact, um, impact positive change. I absolutely agree with you. The one thing that I would have to say, though, is that the importance of the partnerships. So being able to add new features to your website or putting your inventory online, it's not enough. That won't beat out Amazon. Um, And not that you need to beat out Amazon, but what we've learned from every other industry moving digital, that there is no one's too big to fail. I mean, Blockbuster failed versus Netflix, right? There's no one is too big to fail. What you need to do is innovate. And it's not just about putting these features on your website. It's truly providing the best customer experience. And if you don't have time to focus on that yourself, or you don't have the team in place, go find the people who are best in class and go work with them because we want to work with you. That we're experts in technology, not just me, but other startups in this space are really innovative, forward-looking, and excited. And you will not find a staff that's willing to work for you as hard as startups works for themselves. We work 14-hour days, seven days a week to make this happen because we have a dream and a passion to see this through. Yeah, and I don't mean you touched uh, on this, be- you know, before the um, before we started the the episode, but it, it's crazy how how difficult it is to start a company. <laughs> and right, <laughs> I mean, it really is because, like I told you, right, I, I get a lot of people asking me, "Oh, how did you do this? And should I start a business? And you know, is it you know when can you expect to make money?" And I'm like, "Man, listen, if you're thinking about money right now, I said you probably don't bother." because it's it you shouldn't be thinking about how you're going to make money right now it takes time for your business to make money it takes time for you for you to get a return on investment you got to believe you got to have a you know great idea great concept um and and believe in it and work hard to execute it and even if there is a lot of competition which i'm sure you guys will get you know you will have some competitors i'm sure you will everyone always has you know there's competition drives the market it's a good thing but even if you do have competition, it doesn't matter. You guys will be different in your own way. You believe in it. You're going to find ways to innovate. Um, and that's what you're doing. You're, you're in, you have this amazing integrated solution, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to make a whole world of difference. Wow. Well, thank you. That's, those are very kind words. And, and I agree with you. Competition is a good thing. It shows that there's a market. It shows that people want this. What I can say about us that I think is different is that our team moves very fast. We're experienced not just 
um, in startups and technology, but we have the unique perspective of being busy moms ourselves and not to provide the sexist tone here, but um, most of the people who, who grocery shop are moms. And we have seen studies that say that moms have on average 17 minutes alone to themselves a day. And we know like that might be in the bathroom. Like moms are busy and we have a different outlook on the world and we have a different outlook on how to solve this problem. And there are other audiences to solve for as well, but we do bring a unique perspective and it's reflected in our product. It's reflected in our company culture and it's reflected in what our future will be. Um, But Starting this company has been harder than I ever thought possible, but at the same time, more rewarding than I anticipated. I didn't know that my passion for it would only grow and that my love for this company would only grow. And the way that we would move forward and help consumers' lives and how we hear from our consumers about how they're eating healthier, they're having dinner together more often, they're not fighting over what they're going to have because they trust that the recipes we provide them are good because we provide curated recipes. And so, I mean, we're early and we still have a lot to grow from and we're so happy from our current consumers, but we just can't wait to see how we scale this out more. That's great. Yeah, I can't wait to see it grow. I'm I'm excited for what's to come with Mix. And I mean, so going back to competition, uh, and I wanted to touch on this question, you know, we talked a little bit in the pre-interview with in regards to, you know, brands like Blue Apron, we've all heard of Blue Apron and HelloFresh, all these um, healthy meal prep delivery brands. Are they, you think they're, they're brands that you're going to co- be potentially collaborating with, or do you feel they're, they're not really threats to you guys, right? They're kind of more just, you know, potential collaborations. Oh, I definitely view that there's potential for us to collaborate. They've created, they've created these amazing recipes for for their consumers, um, and they've packaged them into meal kits and sent them in boxes to people who love them. Um, yeah. I, the fact of the matter is, the people who still get those meal kits still need to go to the grocery store for other things. So there's lots of ways in which I, I could see us collaborating. I think they proved the theory that a lot of people keep saying is that people won't buy groceries online. They have to pick their produce and their meat. And those meal kits have proven that that is false. What is really important is that people have trust. They have trust in who they work with in terms of customers needing to trust that the people who send the food to them really made sure that it was the right food um, premium quality, exactly what they need to make that delicious recipe at the end of the day. And no matter what it was, they could trust even this very foreign recipe, it would be good and it would taste good. Um, So I think that that is key. And that's something grocery stores could learn from, right? It's not about providing those tools online. It's also making sure that you end up fulfilling that on the back end. When you pack the groceries, are you giving that consumer the right experience as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I like what you guys have done, not just in the consumer. Well, I guess this kind of relates to consumers as well. I mean, I guess everything kind of relates to consumers, but um, (laughs) I like what you guys have done with, in regards to like the landing pages. So you're creating these landing pages for brands where it'll show certain recipes, obviously with their products, but it doesn't seem like that was done before. Isn't that crazy? And then now you guys have created this platform that's basically empowering these brands. It's like a huge just another marketing funnel for them. Exactly. Yes. I'm glad that you had seen that and and can see the value in that. So brands today spend millions of dollars creating recipes to use their products in the right way, in the best way, right? Creating again, those 
curated recipes or usage of their items. And it's crazy to me before that you wouldn't be able to make sure that that item was actually what ended up in your basket. And that's what we've been able to do for, for brands is to take the recipes and all the ingredients that you need to make it happen, match to the right brands with the right size, the right quantity with the current price at your local retailer where you can either use it as an in-store shopping list or use it for click and collect. And then we're able to give brands back the data of, okay, did people actually buy my brand? When they went through this process, did they buy my brand? Did they buy it in store? Did they print the recipe? And better yet, did they come back and do it again? Um, and we have some exciting news that I can share with you. We've actually created a, yeah. uh, you're the first person that I'm telling. We've created a um, new uh Plugin. It's not a plugin. It's really a, it's essentially a technology where we're able to really easily add our list functionality onto brand sites, onto uh, publisher sites, onto like an API. It's not an API right now. We are creating those as well, but this right now is really as simple as creating, putting a little bit of JavaScript on your site, and then you can make the recipes shoppable and trackable at over ten thousand grocery stores throughout the U.S. Wow! Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and you have real complete control. You have control over what brands are shown. You have control over what retailers they get sent to. And you have control over all of the different uh, options that are, are in between. Yeah, I mean, it's everything seems very, um, I kind of call it hyper-targeting. I mean, you guys have this, um, it's, it's a lot of like hyper-targeting um, uh, platform that's giving you like, a lot of these detailed metrics to these brands. Um, and it helps, it's going to help them. It seems like it's going to help them really under understand their audience as well. Yes. I mean, they spend $86 billion a year on advertising and That's traditionally that hasn't all been linked to what happens in the store and what is linked to what happens in the store statistically has been a lot of assumptions from what happens online to who sees the ads to who goes into the store and what products they buy. It's a long process with a lot of assumptions. And we help streamline that process of, of analytics from the entire path to purchase and understand which marketing campaigns are more effective than others so that you can um, change your spend on a current campaign or understand what you should create for future campaigns as well. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Um, so Monica, like going back on we, when we were talking about, you know, the, the entire just startup journey, uh, you know, we know it's, we know it's tough. We know it's, it's hard work and there's a lot of, um, obstacles to overcome, but what were some of the toughest struggles that, that make, that you and your team had to, had to go through to get to this point? Or was there anything specific or was it just the overall grind? What, what was something that was really tough for you guys and how you really overcame it? Well, I think that startups are very hard. Um, there's unique, unique people who can create something out of nothing. Um, there was nothing there before, and all of a sudden there's a business. And there is so much to do in those first years of uh, fledgling years of a startup. And as a founder, you don't just get to build the product and sell it. You have to figure out all of the finances and uh, taxes and lawyers and funding process and customers and you are balancing all of that and your family and trying to grow a business. So you wear a lot of hats. <laughs> it's an understatement. Um, so again, I would just have to iterate. You have to be so passionate about this idea because you will be spending endless hours on it. And I am lucky enough to have 
a team that I, many of whom I've worked with in the past, uh, come together with me to make Mix a reality. My co-founder, Dee Dee Houston, she and I, when we travel, we actually share hotel rooms, we share meals. I spend more time with her than I do with my own family. And that could be stressful for a lot of people. But for us, we have become closer and we've learned to really rely on one another in good times and bad. Like there are highs and lows in a day. And one day you could have a greatest meeting in the world. And by the end of the day, you're struck with, okay, well, I still have to make X, Y, and Z happen by the end of the week. That is so true. Oh, that's so true. Oh, so it's, it's hard to it really say is true. one or two things because it always feels like in a startup a week is a month it, or maybe even longer because you may have 10 high level meetings in one day. Um, and that is more than a lot of companies have in six months. So pinpointing times that have been hard and struggle, it, it, you know, that's really hard. I guess the only one that I can really say that was the pivotal change for us was in the beginning when we felt initially that retailers would be our primary driver of revenue and that we would work with them and and strike all of our partnerships with them and then later work with brands. We realized that retailers just have too much on their plate and they don't have the budget or the technical resources to implement some of the and test and learn strategies that we need to do. Uh, So we want to work with them and make it happen So we needed to find another source of funding. And that was when we ended up going to the CPG brands and saying, what if we could do X, Y, and Z and give you X, Y, and Z metrics on it? Would you think this is a great way for you to start learning more from your marketing campaigns? And they have signed up in the droves and we've had really great support while we get this this going. But I'm sure there's a lot more bumps on the road that we will have uh, coming up here. Monica, this was fantastic. I really appreciate it. And thanks again for chatting with me today. I hope you all can follow Monica Wood and her company. You can check out her company website. If you're a customer looking to use her application, you can visit www.mixrecipes.com and that's mix with two X's. And also if you're a brand or retailer, you can check out her website, mixsolutions.com. And also Facebook will be Facebook slash mix recipes and LinkedIn will be LinkedIn slash mix Inc. And her Twitter handle is at Mixed Recipes. Thanks, guys. This is Michael Giorgio, your host. And until next time.